Welcome to another Matrix Care podcast from the software leaders for out-of-hospital and long-term care providers. I'm Dr. Vore, Director of Enterprise Interoperability at Matrix Care and host for today's episode. Matrix Care is dedicated to sharing knowledge and building awareness among providers across the spectrum from home care to skilled nursing to senior living and life plan communities. Today we're going to gain insight into class and their passion for healthcare IT. We're about to tune in on a conversation between Naveen Gupta, Vice President of Home Care Solutions for Matrix Care, and his special guest, Paul Hess, Research Director for Class Enterprises. Naveen, the microphone is yours. Thank you, Doc. Um, Again, just very, very excited about this particular podcast. Um, Continuous improvement and a culture of feedback is key for any organization. Uh, for any product, for any team, and even, you know, as for individuals, class um, sits squarely within the healthcare IT space and is a big driver for continuous improvement. We, um, you know, as an organization, we have tremendous respect for class, uh, class with over 20 years now, just, you know, experience collecting feedback, uh, doing quality checks, analyzing and training it, and sharing it back out. Uh, to providers, vendors, um, and ultimately, you know, patients benefit from it. So with that, I am really, really excited to have you, Paul. Welcome. Thank you. It's great to be with you both. Uh, Yeah, I've been looking forward to this conversation. So, Paul, you know, one of the first things that we do, we're going to get into class. We're going to learn more about it. We love to get to know uh, the people that are on our podcast. So share with us a little bit about your origin story your journey into the class organization. Great. I'd be happy to. And hopefully we don't lose our listeners in, in this part of it. I, I feel like this will be the most boring part of the podcast, but <laughs> happy to share my origins. Um, uh, I, I've been with class uh, eight years next month, uh, and it's been a great ride. Um, before I worked at class, I actually worked in the insurance industry, uh, on the payer side of healthcare, so interacting with insurance carriers or uh-huh. actually working for them in some cases. And uh, during that time, it was a, a fascinating time to be in that in that field. Uh, during that time, the Accountable Care Act was passed, uh, the High Tech Act was passed, uh-huh. and also witnessed firsthand the uh, the bailouts that. Uh, were were handed out from the government uh, because of the recession. Um, I recall vividly uh, some of the insurance company executives taking big bonuses and and, uh, payouts in their compensation plan, even though they had received help from the government. That made headlines, I remember. Yes. And uh, it was uh, during that time that I I really learned firsthand just how dysfunctional our our health system can be at times. And... uh, felt that uh, in my current position, I was sometimes part of the problem and, and, and didn't like how that uh, sat with me and um, was ready for a change. And it just so happened that uh, my brother, who had been working for class for nine years at that time, uh, I, I shared some of my frustrations with him and he said, well, uh, have you ever considered working in class? And uh, we hadn't really talked about work before then, and he, he shared the mission of class and things, and that really, really intrigued me. And so I threw my hat in the ring and went through the interview process and 
did all the things that I needed to do to try and get a job there and was uh, ecstatic when I received the news that uh, I could work at class. It was really the mission of class that, uh, that drew me in, uh, this mission of, of helping healthcare organizations uh, have insights uh, on their, the vendors that they work with or if they're making purchasing decisions. And the, the tagline for, for class and our mission is improving the, the world's health care. Uh, right. And in, in all my experiences, uh, class has been true to that, uh, just wanting to help the healthcare industry improve. And so, and, you know, that next to my, my previous experience was, was really intriguing to me and, and, and got me excited. Yeah. Paul, you know, some of the best transitions that happen, um, you know, because of compelling events in our lives. So just your personal journey of being in the insurance space, seeing firsthand what's happening there, and then really a desire to influence um, healthcare at large. And what a, what a uh, great way to be able to do it uh, through this wonderful uh, organization. So uh, let's get into it a little bit. Uh, Paul, talk to us a little bit about class and, and what do you do? Uh, you've been around for for, for quite some time now, uh, most people are familiar to some extent, um, particularly if they've got a background in acute and ambulatory, maybe a little bit less acute, we play within the post-acute or we often call it out of hospital space. Um, talk to us a little bit about class and, and, and what you do there. Yeah, so uh, as you mentioned before, I'm a research director at class. I'm one of uh, probably 30 to 40 research directors. Uh, and what that means is we head up the research that we do in specific areas. We typically carve out these areas uh, what we call market segments. Um, I'm the research director here at class that oversees the research we do in post-acute. Um, when I say post-acute, what that means today is any research we do in home health, uh, hospice, private right. duty, senior living, uh, long-term care, skilled nursing facilities, um, and, and so on. There's always areas that we're looking at expanding and doing more research in. Right. Um, about a third of my job is focused on talking with healthcare organizations uh, and, and asking them ratings questions and getting their input and, and their perspective on their reality uh, in, in their, their given uh, care area uh, for me post-acute. Um, right. And understanding their world and what challenges they're up against, and uh, you know the strengths and weaknesses uh, of the the vendor uh, technologies that they're using. Uh, another third of my time is interacting with the vendors that mm. uh, sell those solutions and engage with these providers, these healthcare organizations I interact with, and, and help them to understand the the voice of their customer the collective voice of their customers and, and where they can improve um, and then the other third of my time is focused on actual reports and research and and data and those things and so it, it's it's enough to keep one busy and it's uh, <laughs> there's never a dull moment <laughs> in, in all of that so so paul it's clearly you know you're, you're in research because how neatly you broke this up into thirds <laughs> pretty, pretty well there um, yeah, no, I think, I think it's great. So, you know, it's great to understand, you know, your, your focus on voice of the customer, one angle, the second angle is obviously work, work with vendors uh, to educate them, which I love, right? Because the other half is 
to get them to understand, um, you know, where they can improve. And this whole continuous improvement cycle and put obviously is this, is this analysis piece there. Mm -hmm. um, why, why should providers and organization care? Why should we be paying attention to PASS? Well, they don't have to. Uh, certainly that's their yeah. choice. <laughs> um, we, we hope that uh, we can be and are an arrow in their quiver, uh, one that they can leverage and use as uh, they're seeking to understand uh, a given space in healthcare IT um, and, uh, you know, know the ins and outs and the strengths and weaknesses of the different players that are there. Uh, we're, we're, we're certainly not perfect, but we're, we're always uh, working to improve and, and be better. Um, I, I think the, the big reason that uh, healthcare organizations should be aware of class and what we do is uh, it, it's our, our mission to help them. And all of the data that uh, we publish and make available on our website, classresearch.com, is made available for free to any provider or provider organization. Okay. Uh, what we have with them is it's, it's, it's a bit of a, a quid pro quo. Uh, so any provider with a recognized email address can go on, create their own uh, uh, username and login, and, and immediately have access to the past website and reports and findings that we publish. Um, and in return to that, we, we hope that uh, they would take uh, the opportunity uh, to talk with us and share their perspectives on the technologies they're using. Um, and in that process, it's usually over a phone interview, we, we share with them um, findings at the end of the call that might be of help to them and, and talk through things that we're seeing if they have questions or things along those lines. So it is very much a, a, a give and take relationship with providers. Um, as you mentioned earlier, uh, class has been doing this for 20 plus years. Uh, and it's heavily been focused in acute care and some ambulatory. Um, uh, post-acute is, is a bit of a laggard for us in the, the amount of research that we've done over the years in post-acute, and that's an area of focus where, where I myself and class want to change and uh, provide more reports and more insights and data in post-acute to help uh, those organizations, your customers and others in that space. Uh, but if you were to go and talk to uh, CIOs in, in acute care, uh, it would be difficult to find someone who hasn't heard of class or has worked with class, spoken directly with class over the years. So we're, we're pretty ubiquitous in acute care and even ambulatory. But as I said, uh, want to raise the profile of class in post-acute going forward. Uh, right. that's, I think that's always been a goal. Um, but I think now in this, this day and age, uh, that's even more uh, poignant or important uh, to, to make sure we're helping our friends, our provider friends in post-acute. Yeah, Paul, that's, that, that's great. Um, it's, it's really helpful and honestly, you know, uh, even within post-acute, you know, any, any provider, uh, any vendor would really be doing a disservice to themselves if they were not really paying close attention to the tremendous amount of research that is there but also very specific insights that, that class as an organization provides. Um, you know, one very fundamental question that I've always had, you know, as I've looked at uh, class rankings, we're certainly supposed to compete, you know, in the home health space um, and in the larger on the facilities side as well. Um, 
help us understand, you know, our class rankings, right, that you put out and organization success correlated. And what I mean by that is how do you explain there are vendors with great market share, right, but they don't really show up, you know, naturally in the top rankings in that segment. How do you explain this disconnect? Yeah, I, I think um, a good way of explaining that, this is how I internalized this uh, when I started working in class. It, it, there was a book that I read years ago uh, called The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Love it. And Love the book. I, there's, there's a portion in the very first of that book where Stephen Covey mentions the PPC balance. Uh, and that the PPC is the production production capability balance. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And uh, it's a law that, uh, as I think he says in that book, you can break yourself against, but you can't necessarily break. It's a, this equilibrium that you must strike. And, and what happens oftentimes, I think in the book, he used the example of the goose and the golden egg, where uh, the, the goose is the, or the golden egg is the production, and the, the goose is the, or the eggs are the production capability. Right. What we what we find in, in life is when you're producing, uh, sometimes we can get focused on the almighty dollar and and at the at the risk of uh, neglecting the the production capability and the mm -hmm. production capability in in this line of work is of course your customers right. and, and making sure that uh, they can produce that they're they're satisfied. Um, and you're helping them to that end. Uh, oftentimes, we witness, as you might imagine, vendors that get that get off of that a little bit. And uh, I'm not naive to the fact that that you need money uh, to to run a business and to be successful. Um, but sometimes uh, there's this this robbing Peter to pay Paul scenario where there's more of a focus placed on the finances of, of the company and the, the shareholders, the stakeholders, right. rather than the customers. And, and that's a culture that uh, is identified by their customers when we speak with them. Um, so there are times when organizations, vendors, uh, are gaining market share. Uh, their financials are are, are positive. They they have a large large customer base, maybe the largest in the segment. Right. But their scores don't necessarily reflect that. What the class scores show is a as a production capability. It's it's their customers. In a right. lot of ways, it's the leading indicator of the long term success of the vendor. It's the canary in the coal mine, if you will. If a company or organization is allowed to continue focusing on the finances over at the at the neglect of their customers, uh, over time that will catch up to them, and eventually the production will slow, and and, and uh, they'll find themselves in a difficult situation. So, at class we don't focus on the finances as much or the market share as much as we do how well they're taking care of their customers, and the the correct questions that we ask uh, provider organizations when we have them on the phone focus on just their overall experience. And there's 16 ratings questions and four yes or no questions that we take them through. And then uh, use those in aggregate to come up with an overall score. 
Hey, Paul, you, you know, you stole my words, right? And I loved how you explained it, the word leading indicator, right? So um, I think what you're sharing is, um, you know, you could have a great market share in your segment. You could have great financials. But if your customer experience or, right, and I'm summarizing what class ultimately provides, is low, then that could be a leading indicator that in the future you may not be holding onto that market share, essentially. Right, right. And as, as we're talking, I can think of a number of examples over my eight years at class where we've witnessed that firsthand. Companies that you, you would never have imagined at the time uh, could find themselves in, in dire straits. But uh, sure enough, it, it happens. So um, there's absolutely, uh, it's a must to focus on the customers and how, how, how well you are supporting and helping them through that, uh, that journey. And, and Paul, would you say the reverse is also true? So if you're top ranked in class, you don't naturally have you know, a, a large market share, could that also be a leading indicator that you're likely to gain market share? That's right. Yeah, that's exactly right. Uh, in fact, there's some, some uh, analytics and, and things that to, we use that show some predictive properties of how vendors will do going forward. Uh, that we're happy to share with provider organizations as, as uh, they ask for that feedback. That's great. That, that, that is fantastic. Actually, that leads me into providers and decision-making. And I know, um, you know, class puts in tremendous amount of effort to assess what's happening with the vendor solution. Um, you know, I've read up, you know, you do not naturally claim to have the perfect sample or you've got it all statistically figured out, but uh, certainly what you would advocate, it's better than a, a traditional reference check, whether it be with one um, client or two clients. Um, the, uh, the fact that you're engaging a wider population, you're uh, grafting insights into it. Um, just curious to know, what percentage of folks are using class for decision-making? And, and maybe as, to your point that they should be paying attention to it more um, just curious to hear, Paul, your point of view on you know, what percentage are, are using them for decision-making today and, and uh, just maybe your point of view on why they should uh, you know, consider using it even furthermore. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, I, I think it would be difficult for me to put a percentage on an exact number of, of those who use it. As I stated before, in acute care, it, it, it's pretty ubiquitous. Uh, many, many organizations uh, recognize and use the class uh, data to make informed decisions. In, in post-acute, um, historically, we have focused in on home health and what we call long-term care, which is mostly uh, skilled nursing facility, uh, EHRs, and financials, those solutions. Um, I mentioned earlier in this, in this interview that uh, we are, are now focusing on hospice as well as, well as private duty, uh, senior yes. living, and even lifeline communities, formerly CCRCs. Uh, and, and getting, getting data from those provider organizations and the solutions that they use to support those services. Um, well, it, obviously, it would be my hope that uh, this is helpful to any of those organizations who are yeah. uh, wanting to know what's going on in the industry and uh, what the ins and outs are of different vendors, their strengths and weaknesses and trends. Um, in addition to the, those ratings questions, and those overall scores that are attributed on the, the website, 
we also publish specialty reports where we'll we'll often take a one-off set of questions and 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 get data from healthcare professionals uh, about uh, any given area within healthcare and publish those uh, frequently throughout the year. And those are also made available to provider organizations. So my hope is that um, more and more of our our provider friends in post-acute uh, recognize the value that is here with class and, and how we can help them going forward. And even more important than that, in, in my opinion, is the, the insights and the, the input that uh, they are allowed to have with class. Uh, we find that invaluable to know their view of the world and how we can best help them. So, yeah. Um, well, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. No, that, that was it. Yeah, it's. Uh, yeah. So yeah. you know, I, I love that you're acknowledging the the sub segments within long term care, right? So a CCRC or lifeline community is not the same as hospice, which is not the same as private duty personal care services, right? So mm -hmm. uh, right. And each of these segments have very unique characteristics. Um, the EHRs uh, are you know purpose built, and there are certain certainly very unique, you know, clinical, financial, and operational aspects to them. So I love the, the sort of the evolution to recognize these uh, various segments and ensuring that, um, you know, there, there's sort of research uh, being built around them. So when do you expect that to happen? Is that happening in, in uh, you know, in, in the next year uh, for these um, various other subsegments? Yeah, in addition to home health and long-term care, uh, we are collecting data on hospice, private duty, senior living, and LPCs right now. Uh, the hope is that we will have uh, equally representative data samples, uh, the vendors that compete in those spaces, on the website before the end of the year. Yep. It's a tall order. It's a wow. big goal. Um, that's what we're moving towards. That is fantastic. That is really, really fantastic. Um, so, again, just continue. Continuing with, you know, your strategy. So, um, you know, first survey um, done by class 1997 and him's um, 10 years, just rapid growth. Um, just reading again, you know, you were, you know, almost, you know, in the 60s fastest growing company in, in Utah. And then since then, another 10 years, you've expanded out of the U.S. Um, I've seen a lot of research now, interoperability, AI, digital health. Certainly with COVID, of the emphasis on telehealth, um, you're in numerous market segments uh, already. What does the evolution of class look like in the next three years? What, what is part of your strategy? Uh, I know you've shared a little bit of it, you know, in terms of being able to get into specific sub-segments, sub but Paul, talk to us a little bit about how is the strategy evolution happening within class? Yeah, it's a great question. And, and, you know, in my eight years at class, uh, I would hardly recognize uh, some of the things we do or how we do them from when I started to now. And it, it's a bit of an uh, unanswerable question of uh, what class will look like in the future. Yeah. What, what I can say for sure is that the mission of class will remain the same. Um, the focus on providers, provider organizations, and their needs and in all of the reports that we publish and the data that we put out there, it, that is the utmost importance. That's our, our, our litmus test or our, our north star of what we decide to publish and what we don't. As you can imagine, um, uh, the temptation 
I, I, I would imagine can be there for uh, us to uh, play to the, the wants and the desires of vendors. But we recognize that as soon right. as we uh, cater to, to, to vendors and, and, and what they uh, might want us to say or do, the moment we do that, we've lost all credibility. And so we protect that. that is uh, we want to remain independent and honest, unbiased in all of our data. Um, so that's first and foremost. Uh, as I said before, we want to expand the research that we do in post-acute uh, by getting data in some of these other areas of post-acute. Uh, we want to see have an increase of reports that we publish that are focused on post-acute. Um, but as a whole, as a, on a broader level, class is, is very interested in, in publishing reports and data on the entire continuum of care, the, the entire patient okay. experience, uh, the, the interoperability, um, uh, EHR interoperability, the, the transitions of care, and, and opening up other market segments that uh, we don't currently have data on but recognize that we, we should. Um, and so there will be a number of new sites coming on. And another thing that uh, class has done historically well is focusing on uh, market segments where the technology is for the most part mature. Um, where in, in those cases, there's an easy apples to apples comparison because those, those solutions uh, for the most part have the same functionality, the same applications and those right. things. Where that gets where it gets interesting is when you swim further upstream to technologies that are emerging, where the use cases of these technologies have not quite uh, been defined yet, or the success of them hasn't uh, been ascertained. Uh, we want to uh, do more research in those emerging technology areas and get insights on those vendors and those solutions earlier in the process for healthcare. Uh, providers and organizations. Yeah, that's great, Paul. You know, so um, it's, it's I, I love the emphasis on unbiased, right? This, you know, class is built on credibility and just we have tremendous respect for your organization uh, and also the whole education aspect of it. I love, you know, you're not only modeling, uh, you know, continuous improvement for uh, vendors and, and, you know, so that we can improve, but even within your own uh, sort of organization you're looking at, how do you expand, how do you continue to serve the wider uh, healthcare community and, and the mission that, that you have. Uh, you know, I have, this is my final question for you, uh, Paul, again, around, and I'm, I'm sure it's going to be kind of difficult, um, and, um, but it, it's helpful if you just step back and say, for organizations to do well with regards to customer intimacy, right? I think ranking is, is a byproduct, right? So you excel in, in really servicing your customers. Um, you know, you collect data and right. insights from them. You're going to bubble to the top, right? But the heart of it is right. not so much bubbling to the top, which is great. It, it is really meeting the needs of your customer and giving them the true customer experience. In your opinion, right, based on all the years that you've been doing this, right, if you were to whittle it down to here, one, two, and three, three things that organizations, you know, technology vendors, vendors focus on, they can materially improve the delivery of customer experience. Yeah, yeah that's, that's a great question. Um, it, you know, over the years, we've asked a similar question to provider organizations. Ask them, what are you, what are you looking for from your, your vendor of choice? 
what you hope to to have there and consistently over the years the response has been we want a partner mm. we want someone who is is pulling with us uh, who is developing new technology that will meet our needs who is thinking ahead thinking years down the road in terms of their development and, and how that will help us and not only that part of being a good partner is is communicating and communicating effectively and so right. and not to communicate to sell but to communicate to to effectively share uh, with them the journey that they are taking them on uh, and how they will help them be successful and what they're doing with the the recognized challenges and hurdles that may stand in that in, in their way um, and the the other thing I would add to that maybe the third uh, part of that is is how vendors sell uh, we have found consistently in our in our data and research that the single biggest predictor and how successful a vendor will be and 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 their providers their customers is is how they sell mm -hmm. um, some vendors will approach this with the the mindset to sell anything uh, to do anything to get the sell um, right and what we found to be more successful is if be prescriptive make sure that you're not selling your customers a solution that is missing some vital pieces and if that means that uh, uh, ongoing services is part of that and ongoing training mm -hmm. or specific modules that uh, that you don't charge after the fact or try and uh, um, have them need to purchase that after the fact include it all in include everything that they would need to be successful right from the word go uh, and those vendors who are willing to say no to a deal and walk away uh, because the the customer customer insists on not paying for something or not wanting something and that vendor knows that it will make all the difference in their user experience and them being successful. Um, it's it's on the part of the, the vendor to to know that and walk away. And there's and, and those vendors that do um, opt into those deals and are willing to sell pieces but not the the whole solution set. Uh, yep. Those are the ones where, of course, their scores will suffer. Their their customers will complain, and and those things. So it is a big indication to customer success and vendor success. Wow, Paul, I, I can't tell you how I love that answer. You know, so it resonates, right? So being a trusted partner, right? So you're committed to their success. The second aspect that you just talked about is for us to be, as vendors, to be forward thinkers, we're innovating, we are anticipating whether it be regulatory changes or other sort of economic trends or social trends, um, you know, that um, our clients, right, our providers um, need to be prepared to handle. So how well are we, it's, again, it ties back in with trusted partner. They trust you to be able to help them with that. And the final point that you just made about sales, I think it goes more than just being authentic, right? So to your point of being able to say, no, we're not really a good fit. Um, it ties back mm -hmm. in with, this whole theme of being a partner and being a trusted partner. So I don't know, right. it just resonated with me uh, quite a bit. And I, you know, we believe that I, and it's not about us made to scare, uh, you know, we, 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 the values that you share just resonate with us and it resonates with me personally. And if I'm on the other side and if I was running a provider business, that's what I would care for as well. 
that I can I can trust my my business because as you know, technology is used pretty much for every aspect uh, of what they do, and uh, you know having a trusted partner on on their side um, helping them uh, go really a long way. So, Paul, this was tremendous. Thank you for sharing your insights. Very very valuable, and I know um, our listeners and providers and users and others that listen in to our podcast will tremendously benefit. I want to give you the last word, Paul. Any final thoughts, anything else you want to share? No, Naveen, I appreciate the, the conversation today, this, this interview. Uh, yeah, if, if just a parting thought here, my hope is that uh, any provider who, who hears my voice will, will recognize that uh, the class data is there for you and the class that's klasresearch.com. That website is there for you. Uh, you're the whole reason we, we do what we do. And, of course, our hope is that you find value in this data. It, it helps you in your day-to-day operations, uh, especially if you're in the process of, of making a decision. But, uh, but re- also understanding trends in the market and, and those things. That, that data, those reports are there for you. And uh, I look forward to hopefully having the opportunity to speak with many, many of you going forward. Excellent, Paul. Thank you again for making time. Uh, back to you, Doc. Thank you, Paul and Naveen. That concludes today's episode of the Matrix Care Podcast. Thanks for listening. Be sure to visit us at www.matrixcare.com for more information on our products and services. We'd love to hear from you. Give us feedback uh, wherever you get your podcast on what you want to know uh, for future podcasts, how we might improve, or what you'd like to see discussed. On behalf of Matrix Care and today's guest, Paul, thanks for listening. We hope to have you back for another episode of the Matrix Care Podcast.